Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. Each week, Andy shares interviews with talent development professionals, thought leaders, and experts to share best practices, learn about the latest trends, and find out what has been successful in the world of talent development. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I'm your host, Andy Storch, and this is a show that is about all things talent development, learning and development, organizational development, HR, and everything in between. My goal is always to help you learn new things and get better at your job in the L&D space. And I've got a great conversation for you today that I believe is going to give you some great nuggets of wisdom, some value, some things that will help you do just that. My interview today is with Liz Heathwood, who is a talent and HR expert, as well as a global people strategy lead at EY, formerly known as Ernst & Young, the global professional services firm. Liz is based down in Brisbane, Australia, but she works on a global team, which we'll talk about. She's also an HR and talent expert, having grown up in the HR trenches. She now leads strategic talent projects for the strategy and transaction service line of EY. She's an expert in talent strategy, talent development, learning and development, transformation and change, as well as talent and change management. And more recently, her role straddles both talent and learning and development, working with the business to design and deploy, then manage the global communications around new talent and learning initiatives. I connected with Liz through a friend on social media, I think LinkedIn and even Instagram a couple of years ago, and we've stayed in touch and followed each other. And as I explained in this interview, I saw her do a post on LinkedIn recently that was about the stay interviews that she and her team had conducted recently, stay conversations with partners at EY about their experience and things that could be improved and all the things that came out of that and that what they're doing at EY to improve their talent experience. And I knew this was something that a lot of our listeners could benefit from. So I wanted to share it on the show as well as the other many great things that Liz is doing. So I recommend that you stay tuned and check this out. Here we go. All right, I'm joined now by Liz Heathwood, who is a global people strategy lead at EY down in Australia. Liz, welcome to the show. Thanks, Andy. So good to be here. It's a bit of a 
pinch me moment because uh, I'm such a huge fan of your podcast. So super excited to be talking to you today. Uh, well, thank you so much. I remember we connected maybe a couple of years ago, uh, LinkedIn and Instagram and, and have chatted here and there. And yeah. you had a great post the other day about using stay interviews with leaders at EY. And I knew it was something that we needed to get onto this podcast to share with more people. And then of course we tied it the other day and you've got a lot of great things going on there in the global program that you're part of. So I'm excited to dig into all of that and, and share a lot of value with our listeners. So long time coming, but maybe we start with a little bit of your background, you know, who you are and, and how you got into this field of talent development. Yeah, sure, Andy. Uh, I'm a school teacher by trade, so started off life as a school teacher, drama and music, so I've always enjoyed being creative. And I think that's where sort of my my strategy probably really started was in those roots of, you know, how do you form something for people to learn and as part of the classroom and all of those things. So it's funny how your early foundations do, do come to help you later in life. So that's sort of how I started. And then through a series of events, I got into HR and feel like I found my home. And, um, you know, at school, they don't tell you about HR. I wish they did because I would have started it a long time ago. And then, you know, very traditional HR path through, you know, uh, different business partner roles, et cetera, uh, in Australia and then Asia Pacific. And then I was really fortunate when I joined EY, I, I was in, um, you know, a talent leader role there and I applied for the, for the global role. You know, I was very fortunate to be successful in getting that role. It's a, um, it's doing, you know, strategic projects uh, and execution across the world for our strategy and transactions business uh, in EY. So it's really exciting because you're really at the coalface of all things talent, talent development, change management. And, and, and as part of my role, I actually am also the global business partner for our transactions and corporate finance part of the business. So that's a great role to still, you know, be able to do the strategic work, but then also have that, you know, partnership with the business and, yeah. and drive talent with them. So yeah, it's, it's fun. Right now. That's very cool. And how big is EY and how big is that group that you <laughs> work in specifically? Yeah. So um, EY has 300,000 people. So it's, it's huge. And the part of the business I work in has around 35,000 as the headcount, the strategy okay. and transactions group. Yeah. All right. De very, yeah, decent. And, and it, you know, it's, it's not easy. It's, uh, you know, as you can imagine working globally, it's, um, it, that's part of the joy of it though, is yeah. thinking about how things work in different cultures and countries. And right. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that, how it is working on a global group like that. Mm. I, I would think first and foremost, from like a time perspective that I know EY is, truly a global company, right? With no like real headquarters in one place, but I would imagine it's still a, a rather US centric kind of functioning organization and you being pretty far off being down there in Australia. What has that been like? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely an adjustment. As a, as a working mom, I would say it actually suits my lifestyle really well with two young kids, but yes, you have to be, Aussies particularly have to be flexible. We do, um, our sort of our head office is mainly in the UK, but obviously, yes, huge contingent US as well. So very much there, the time zones that I work in. So starting early in the morning, finishing late at night, and it's hard when sometimes my kids have very little sleep. So um, <laughs> I've, been, I've been doing it for, what, nearly six years in this role. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I, I've somehow managed it and 
it, it's I, I think it, I've just it, I've grown so much as a person as well just working yeah. with so many different people and having that cultural awareness so yeah, yeah. I, I totally love it if I could ask you one more follow-up on that because I know from mm. following you on social media that you are very passionate about being a good mother as well as being dedicated <laughs> to your role how do you make that work what is your what does your schedule kind of look like and you mentioned you work around it with like early mornings and evenings and then have like family time in between yeah, totally. And I think, so yes, please follow me, Corporate Mum Life, on my Instagram. I, I do try and show the, the juggle of both mum um, uh, life and work life. And yeah, so I, I, I do start sometimes early in the morning at 6 or 6.30 a.m. in the morning. I try and be really strict, not starting earlier than that. And then I would work through to sort of school drop-off time, then go and do school drop-off, go to the gym. And as I was saying to Andy before that I'm a real F45 junkie, which is a certain type of exercise that lots of Aussies love. I go and do that for my 45 minutes, jump back on calls at 10 a.m. And usually with the US at that time of day. And then everyone sort of drops off around lunchtime. And I actually works really well because that's my focus time. And, you know, a lot of people don't get that in their job. All my team are asleep. So it's a really great time of day to have that opportunity to just punch out heaps of stuff that you need to get through. So, and then I finish at 4.30 and have time with my kids from 4.30 to 7. And then from 7 to 10 or 11, I'm online again working. So except Friday night, that's one night. So um, (laughs) Monday to Thursday. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But um, I have a nanny as well. You know, I'm, my husband and I both work full time. So, you know, we, we need support. We couldn't do this job yeah. without it. So, you know, she's our Mary Poppins and we're very fortunate. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. The full transparency. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. And, I, and I like to, I'm thinking, you know, what's the key to getting some focused time without distractions. You make sure your whole team is sleeping in the middle of the day so that you can get some focused work <laughs> Exactly, time. that's the secret. I've discovered it for you. <laughs> yeah, you work when other people are sleeping. That's why I like. That's I love right. getting up at five in the morning and having you know like some focused time in the morning sometimes because mm. it's like before everybody gets up. Other than obviously like European friends are already in the middle of their day for me, but exactly. otherwise like that's the time when you can get things done. I'm not a late night mm-hmm. guy by any means, so it's got to be. Got to be early morning. Well, yeah. I want to transition to talk about some of the work that you're doing there at EY because mm-hmm. you've got a lot of really cool things going on. You've got a global certification program you've been working on and as well as like some competitions, a mm-hmm. lot of career development type work, which you know is something that I'm obviously very passionate about and, and interested in. What really attracted me or, or, or triggered this conversation was a post that you mm-hmm. did about conducting stay interviews with leaders yeah. and how that was informing a lot of the career development and upskilling you're doing. I wonder if we could start there and you could talk sure. about like the impetus for those conversations, like, like why, and why did that happen? And, and what do those look like? Yeah. Oh, it excites me so much when I talk about it because it's been a really cool experience and the result has just also I think the business has gained so much from this process. And it, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I hear people talk about things being people-led and, and I truly believe that that is the way of the future, um, particularly from a talent point of view and how we develop talent because, you know, they know what they want. People know what they want. So we need to listen to them more than us coming in and telling them how it should be. So this process really started... Obviously, we're seeing a lot of retention issues like any company. We are not immune to that. And also, you know, it's um, our partners who are our leaders of the business. So for people that aren't aware of how an EY works, we are a partnership structure. So our partners are um, are all owners of the business um, and all have a say 
in how the, the business is run. So, you know, I think it's one of those things when you go through your career journey and at EY, we are a rank-based structure. So you've gone from consultant to senior consultant to manager and it's very ordered and structured. And then you get to partner and it's like, oh, well, right. so yeah. And so, um, you know, and obviously uh, that that can be difficult for them. So we, we've been thinking about, um, and obviously coupled with retention issues and a very aggressive market around salary and all of those things, how do we craft a better partner experience for our partners in strategy and transactions? So as I was saying, being in my business partner role, the global leaders that I work with, they're so great with talent. Again, you know, I think it's such a key thing that you need is, is things to be leader-led and, and for the business to be driving it. So working with them, they said, Liz, you know, this is the, the problem we have. So, we, we, you know, I had an initial meeting with, with the two leaders particularly and we talked it all through and I said, you know what, we need to talk to our people because the first thing we want to do is go solution and it's really easy to go solution but actually let's do the hard stuff and go back and talk to people and hear their voices. And we might actually not like what some of them have to say, but we have to be comfortable with that because that is how we're going to truly change and actually do something that our people want. So um, we had that conversation. I then drafted up, you know, like an the, the questions that I wanted to ask. And again, you know, from, um, I'm a bit, I'm a research junkie. So, you know, I've been looking at state conversations and I really thought that was the right way to go. So I crafted all the questions, passed it on to the leaders and said, this is what I'm thinking. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? And they were happy with that. And then I sent an introductory email to the partners that have been selected. So I got the leaders to select the people that they wanted me to speak with. So we spoke to partners in the US, all over the US, the UK and Oceania, the part of the world that I'm in. So we did 32 interviews in total and just asking them, yeah, what do you like? What do you don't like? What frustrates you? What is it that you want to see for your career? What experiences do you want to have? So all of those types of questions. And it was, I think for some of them, some of the partners we spoke to, they found it quite a cathartic kind of process mm. and, you know, making sure that I, you know, I, I set the conversation up front, that it was confidential, that I talked about how we were going to use the information that they gave us. So we produced sound bites um, from the conversations. We redacted locations so people couldn't talk about we, we couldn't talk about where people came from. We then um, looked at, you know, what are the themes that are coming out of the conversation? Because obviously it was interesting to see if there was any commonalities between them, and there definitely was. And it's funny when you say to a partner, oh, that's really interesting. That's what I'm hearing from, you know, from a partner in this part of the world. And they say, oh, right. And, I, and it's that feeling of not being alone yeah. and that giving them that sense of belonging. And that puts them at ease as well when you have that conversation and letting them know that, what they're saying is anonymous and that you won't be sharing um, individual things back with those leaders unless there are things that they wanted me to share back. Like there was right. one person that wanted a mobility assignment. So I tried to hook him up with the right people to talk to there. So it was an amazing um, process to go through and to meet those people. And it's funny, you know, we talk about recognition and it was the Every single one of them said to me, Liz, I feel so honoured that the leaders have chosen me to speak to. Mm. So it's really nice that that was recognition enough for them that they have been recognised as a, as a top performer and that I wanted to get their opinion. So what we discovered out of it was that partners absolutely want a career path. It is important to them. There are very defined sort of stages across the partner career path that we kind of 
discovered. You sort of have those zero to five years that are head down, building their client base, getting stuff done. The middle part is they're starting to maybe get some itchy feet, wanting to do some leadership roles, that kind of thing. Mm. And then there's the latter part of their career where, you know, some of them need some coaching on what do I do next? What does my career look like? I've been, you know, my identity has been a partner for 20 years in this firm. I I don't know how to make that next step. So that's sort of the process that we went through. Yeah. I love that people selected from all the different regions, obviously took care to make sure you had a a broad spectrum and that it would be anonymous. Mm. I want to get into the main takeaways. Mm. I have one question before we get to that is how do you make sure that you are creating a safe space for people to really share openly? I mean, you mentioned Mm. letting them know that it was anonymous. Is there anything else that needs to be done there so that people really feel comfortable speaking their mind? there are different things you can do is you know show them your notes on the screen that there's no names attached to it Mm. if they're really paranoid so yes creating that safe space as I said relating to them they really and giving them that you know this you know this is what we're hearing here and often saying you know I'd say to them look one of the themes that's coming out from a lot of partners is you know, X, Y, and Z. Mm. And they'd say, yes, that's exactly how I feel. So, you know, just that permission to vent um, is, is a really good thing. And asking them questions that, you know, might be uncomfortable for the leaders to hear, but things like, what frustrates you? What don't you like about your job? So that that is stuff that um, they, again, they feel like they have that permission to say what they want to say. Yeah. And being relatable as well. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. For over three years now, the Talent Development Hot Seat Podcast has been proudly sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage Performance Group provides creative learning and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. Advantage helps leaders lead, sellers sell, and businesses flourish, and you to be more successful at your job. The Advantage website has great free resources, including this podcast and an amazing webinar series that include topics such as innovation, future storming, inclusion, sales, leadership, and so much more. To get access to all of our free resources, as well as overviews of the solutions that Advantage offers, just head on over to AdvantagePerformance.com. That's AdvantagePerformance.com. You mentioned in your post that you watch people visibly flush when you Mm. ask about their strengths, Mm. which reminds me something I learned a long time ago that I, I speak about a lot too, is that you know, a lot of people have a hard time almost admitting what their strengths are. We all know what our weaknesses are, right? But if we're good at something, we kind of just assume that other people are probably good at it too, or we're taught that we shouldn't brag. So are people having a hard time (laughs) explaining what their strengths are? Oh my gosh. You, I'm nodding as you're talking because yes, that is absolutely the case. I think, yes, it's that tall poppy thing, isn't it? Of, of, oh, I'm not allowed to say that I'm good at that. Right. And they, yeah, they, they do. They, it was really interesting. And one of them actually said to me, that wasn't in the question list. And I said, <laughs> well, <laughs> and, I, and I said, what I provided you was just a sample of the questions right. that we, I would be asking you. So it was, it's funny how, yeah, people just have these really strong reactions to, to that question. Uh, I think a lot of us are taught early on, right? You don't yeah. brag, right? Yeah. You get your work done and you let it, your work show for it, you know, <laughs> speak for itself, right? And then if you go around and say, you know, I'm really good at interviewing people, not to mention uh-huh. if I said that, you might go, well, actually, Andy, you're not really that good. <laughs> you might call me out on it, right? There's yeah. a risk, there's a vulnerability in 
speaking your strengths out loud because someone might say, no, that's, that's actually not true. Even if you've heard it from so many people. So it's hard. Oh my gosh, absolutely. It is, it is really hard. And even just giving it to your direct manager, you know, I find like if I do my, my performance review feedback, we have to get like 360 degree feedback anyway. And um, yeah, even, even I, I sort of flush when I talk to my boss about it, you know, in terms of, oh, this is what so-and-so said about me or yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, am I allowed to say that? <laughs> yeah. You have to cite other people though. You can't, you, you can't just say, well, like, I think I'm good at, it's hard. Exactly. It, it's really hard. Yeah. I want to yeah. get to some of the takeaways from these. You mentioned, Mm. One of them already, which is that senior leaders want a career path too. Partners mm. want a career path too, right? Like career paths are not just for the early to mid-career professionals. It's not like we magically get to, you know, 45 or 50 and we're like, yeah, I'm good. I'm just chilling. Like people want to know where they're going. People still need growth for fulfillment, right? Definitely. Oh, yeah. That, they're, they're almost crying out for it. My view is if we're not developing our leaders and keeping our leaders happy, how do they then pass that on to their people and be amazing transformative leaders that are expected if they haven't had that themselves? So I think it's definitely the right place to focus. And anyway, we have some amazing programs that they can tap into and that we can be looking at, you know, how do we get people to do this globally? I think because of what's been going on in the world and all the things we've been doing, some of these things do fall by the wayside a little bit. So now I think we're in a place that we can refocus and re-energize. I, I feel like, like every business, we've all just been surviving the last two years. Mm -hmm. So, um, and worrying, you know, very much about our people and, and partners as well. Being leaders, they do worry about their people before they worry about themselves. But yeah, how do we energize them, get them back in the moment, all that kind of stuff. So just to add to that, I think, the branding element, you know, we see it a lot on LinkedIn and, you know, I know you're big on that. I'm big on that on how we brand ourselves. I think a lot of these people, because they've been in their role for so long, they don't think about how do they brand internally right. so they can get leadership roles and, and how do they do it externally, obviously, as well. Interesting. Yeah, that, that personal brand element, I think, becomes more and more important. Mm. You know, I put a chapter about that in my book, and it's something I've been speaking in getting requests and speaking in more companies about because I think more people are waking up to this realization that like, oh, personal brand is very important for yeah. my ability to move up in the future. Mm. Another thing that you had on there was, Career conversations are important and they're not just fluff, but substance that is needed. Tell me more about that. <laughs> I think, you know, you and I as, as talent people, we see the value of career conversations, but I think if you don't have the right structure and parameters around it, it can it can be not a good experience and people do tend to focus just on metrics and it's a perfunctory kind of conversation. So, uh, you know, for me, it's, how do you have a like a, a formal uh, conversation around your aspirational career development and work out a plan, you know, and who are the stakeholders in the business that you need to speak to? I don't know, Andy, have you seen the work of Janine Garner before? I don't think so, no. Oh, she's great. And she she talks a lot about the different types of people that you have to have in your corner. I've got a great book about it, so look her up. But and she, you know, she talks about needing the butt kickers in your life. And they're the ones that really are helping you push and progress your career and being able to identify in your organization who those people are. And they'll be different to the people that you might work on your day-to-day -day things with. So yeah, I think it's having a plan, being able to go, 
this is the stakeholder you need to, you know, if that's where you want to go with your career, this is where we need to connect you and hook you into the business. And in a business like ours that is massive, there are so many opportunities. And I think we get so caught up in our day to day that we forget that there's all this other world out there that beyond what we do of people that we can connect with. Yeah. And we can't just assume that because people have reached a certain level partner that they've got it figured out, right? They, as you said exactly. earlier, they still want to develop and grow in their careers. And, you know, as you mentioned in your post, like networking and personal brand is a huge element of that mm. for them to be able to keep growing. And so they want opportunities to grow those things and have conversations about where they're going in their career. I don't think people just stop, you know, we're talking about ambitious yeah. professionals. People don't yeah. just stop being ambitious you know, when they still have years left in their career in general, right? Everybody's different, but we can't make these assumptions, right? Exactly. And, and it's a really good point. And, and partners as well, it's a competitive world. And they're, they're probably, I feel like at, at that level, you're almost not more ambitious is not the right word, but that you have to be because of, of how competitive it is to win work. And, and they're the ones that have to do it. Yeah. What other, are there any other outcomes or anything that EY will do as a result of, you know, maybe hearing the results, like the commonalities that come across, obviously there may be some things that you can't necessarily talk about on the, on the podcast, Mm. but Mm. as people are listening, I can hear the question, okay, I can go Mm. and conduct these interviews. Mm. What do I do with the findings to to help Mm. my organization get better? Yeah, sure. So the process, so what, what we did was I have an amazing colleague, Stephanie, who is based in Richmond in Virginia in the US, and she and I work very closely together on our work, and she very much partnered with me on this process. And we worked, we did, you know, a presentation for the global leaders around, you know, the, I sort of did, these are the three big findings, the three big themes And then I went into the smaller themes. There are about eight of them. Then we went through all of the sound bites that we wanted to include because we wanted to bring a realness to the conversation for them and and the voices and let them go, you know, sort of hit them with, oh, wow, this is what our people are saying. And then what we did as part of the conversation process was I actually asked them, "What what would you do if you were in the leader's shoes? What would you like to see change and how would you do it? And part of the reason I did that was because I wanted them to to sort of have that realisation that change isn't easy Mm -hmm. and change takes time and they're not going to see these changes come overnight. So... And, and, and it was a lot of them, it's, it stumped them. And they went, oh, oh, I don't know. So, um, so it was, oh. um, <laughs> yeah. I would, I would give everybody a 10% raise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point, Andy. I should, yeah. yeah. I think, but then a lot of them had some great ideas too. So, so what I did was I collated all the ideas into a bit of a shopping list and said, you know, bang, 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 This is these are the things that you could be doing. And Stephanie and I also put some of our ideas in there from what we heard of the conversations and what we think could work. We then had, the, the leaders had a meeting in London and I presented the results virtually to them. We then had a workshop, like a two-hour workshop with the global leadership for this part of the business and talked through, what, well, what, yeah, exactly to your point, what do we do with this? It's being used in multiple forums. We're also presenting to the leaders of those countries that we spoke to and and how do they then implement some of these um, ideas into, because even even though we're global, we are also still very run run at a region level as well. So they, they can sort of make a lot of this stuff happen on the ground. One of the things we're doing from a global point of view is looking at leadership programs. That's a big one that, so um, I've just, you know, been spending my day the other day collating a spreadsheet of, 
what we have internally, who do we partner with around leadership, how do we get maybe some funding for some of these particular courses in our business. So that's that's another um, sort of side project that um, we're doing as part of the findings of this as well. So really I think the first step is the awareness, getting information out there. The other thing I've tried to do also is map, as I was saying to you, across those different career stages. Mm-hmm. What should we be doing with partners at those career stages? And then sharing that with the regions and saying, hey, this is what your partners told us you need at the various career stages. You bring yeah. it in. Yeah. Which people w- would love to hear that information. Can you tell mm-hmm. me about the global certification program that you've been working on for, for skills and leadership and sustainability mm-hmm. and, these, and, and how does that maybe tie in? Yeah, this has been super fun, actually. So oh, back, back in um, 2020, I think it was, you know, one of the projects that I was given was what is our workforce going to look like by 2025? So my my leader, Nicola Pye, and I worked very closely on coming up with that strategy. And um, part of it, you know, when you look at all the research and you know, all, the, all the things that we know, and, and Andy, I know you're a big fan of Josh Burson, and my, my, my leader, she gives me uh, a lot of stick because she knows I love Josh Burson. <laughs> <laughs> I love his, you know, the whole power skills thing uh, yeah. because, you know, and, and the fact that power skills are going to be more important or are more important and are really what sets you apart than your technical skills. Technical skills will be a dime a dozen. They'll be expected. It's part of what you do as a professional is having that technical capability. But how do you start to instill some of those other qualities that you need to be a good advisor earlier in your career? You know, why do we suddenly start teaching leadership when someone becomes a manager? So what we've tried to do through the certification is really a combination of on-the-job experiences and formal learning and action plans and things like that, but bring together all of that to to make our people more holistic in terms of their development. Because at the moment, you know, if you think about an M&A person, we focus very much on M&A technical competence. We don't think about the how do they have conversations with clients and how do they lead their team? How do they collaborate across different parts of EY? Also, ESG is obviously a big thing coming in for us, analytics. So it overlays all of these things. I think the important thing when you build a certification is making sure that you don't do something in isolation to the rest of the business. So what we've tried to do is EY obviously has a huge, you know, suite of learning and You can now do your MBA for free and your Master's of Sustainability for free through Holt University. And what we've really tried to do is make sure that all of what we are doing connects into the rest of the business. And so it all all flows and that people, if you're doing this course, you'll get credit for this course, um, et cetera. So the, the certification we're looking it's really around what we're calling a connected capital advisor. So how do you be the client, go to act as a change maker and team in new ways. And so developing skill sets around those three things. Yeah. You've you really got a lot going into this. And mm. I love the question of like, what is the workforce going to look like in 2025, which is, you know, we're inching our way there, right? And mm, there's no way to that. know what the future may bring, but we know that it's going to continue to change and evolve and we've got to continue to kind of study and talk to people as you've been doing and think about where things are going, keep mm. people uh, educated. I mean, you work in a professional services firm where people really need to know, you know, be up on the latest trends for themselves, like working trends. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to, you've got to figure that out as you're working with others. The, the last thing I wanted to ask you about was in the realm of career development, what mm. sort of other things are you doing 
to keep people engaged and improve retention. I know you mentioned like the free MBA program. Mm. I think you mentioned the the badging programs. I know you have a few other things going on to really engage your, your top employees. So yes, the the MBA, so that that's through, so across all of EY, so our central learning team runs that program. So yes, the, the MBA, we also have a Master's of Sustainability and the Master's of Analytics now that people can do all for free. Yes, we do have badges. So you can do a badge in transformative leadership or um, and, and from transformative leadership, for example, there's little headings under that, like well-being might be one of them, or analytics or sector badges. So there's different areas that you can do badges in. And the idea is you can then put it on the bottom of your email signature or you can put it on LinkedIn that you've got this, or, you know, um, agile thinking or design thinking, all of these different types of skills that we want people to learn. So there's some of the things we're doing. The hardest part, obviously, is time and and allowing, you know, to take away from their day-to-day stuff and and getting people to to have that time is is tricky. So that's probably the biggest thing we're working on is is how do we help people have that opportunity because it's actually one of the biggest reasons that people join us. You know, I was just looking at our our new starter survey stats the other day is is for learning and the learning opportunities Mm. and the career progression. And, you know, we have some really exciting things we work on. So that's part of the experience. And that probably, Andy, is probably a good segue to the the competition, the CCA Mm. competition that we're doing, our Connected Capital Advisor competition, because that really is about sharing career experiences across our business. So this is what we're holding this competition worldwide. We want people to share videos of what it is that they are doing in the business, you know, what technology are they learning or what badge are they doing or great client opportunity have they had or how are they teaming together and using technology? So trying to get these stories to come out to show people this is the amazing career that you can have in EY and these are the opportunities and, you know, go and talk to your leaders and your people to, to see how you can have those opportunities because it's it's really important that you know we, we want to retain our people and and I think again because we're so big it's often hard to see that and also see the global opportunities as well you know we're, we're about to bring in an opportunity marketplace uh, I haven't been involved in that process it's part of the central team but um, I think you know having those talent marketplaces are are a great way to open experiences and to show people other opportunities that that yeah. they can have across the firm as well. Yeah, that one is a hot topic for a lot mm. of organizations today. How do we create more of a talent marketplace to create more talent mobility, to create more opportunities for people? Because you look around and you see, you know, someone is not quite happy or fulfilled in their current role or they're thinking about where they're going to go from here. When you have an organization of 400,000 people, you think there's no need for you to go on LinkedIn and look for outside roles, but that's what people do because they don't know how to look internally, right? This is a yeah. this is something I hear from clients at so many different organizations. It's mm-hmm. one of those like you're not alone. They don't know how to look internally. So they're like, oh, I'll just go on LinkedIn and I'll find a job somewhere else. I'm like, no, you could you could just take a job, we'll create something for exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's we're also starting this this thing called Next Wave Careers. So actually doing, you know, what, what Josh would call a skills taxonomy of, of mm. all of the roles across our business and looking at, you know, um, yeah, if you're a product development person, you know, like people don't realize in EY, we have a huge tech practice, it's massive. And, you know, so looking at what are all, all the tech roles in our business and what are all the skills associated with those particular roles. So people have visibility of 
the skills that you need. And then you can do the mapping of what's my skill set now versus what's the skill set that I need in the future and then map to where you need to upskill. And then, yes, have those opportunities within EY and stay with us as a firm. Yeah, so important. I, I like the competition as well. It sounds like you're incentivizing people to engage in development and growth and take time for that and also share with others what they're doing to kind of showcase and make that part of the culture. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I spoke with someone from another consulting firm the other day who said, because of the way the culture set up there, nobody ever takes time for learning, right? Like it's all like we have to be have billable hours all the time, which there's a lot of pressure on that, right? So you've, you've almost got to make it part of the culture. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And, and push it from the leadership and, you know, for the leaders to be walking the walk, et cetera, because if, if people don't feel like they have permission, then they won't do it. So part of our strategy has been making sure that a, a lot of the messaging is pushed from individual leaders across the business at all different, you know, as you can imagine in a matrix structure, there's leaders at every corners of, of, of the organisation. So making sure that they're inputting and having a voice and, and um, encouraging people to do that. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really... I'm, we're in the throes of it at the moment. I'm excited to see what what comes out. There's a couple of great videos already that we're we're really pumped about. And and you know maybe it's also a, I think a great recruitment strategy too because mm. you could also use some of these um, as part of your recruitment process as well. So and we're, the same for the certification. So we also want to be able to use that externally and let people know that if you join our practice, this is something you can do. The minute you walk in the door as a graduate, this is how you can develop. And I think that's exciting for a lot of graduates because they feel like they're bottom of the food chain and they want to be more useful quicker. So the certification is a way for them to build those foundational skills and start to build their leadership skills earlier in their career, which is really exciting, I think, for them. Yeah, very cool. Uh, so much stuff, great stuff going on there. I appreciate you coming on to share. We're going to wrap this up here, although I do have a few Pleasure. more questions for you in our bonus round. But uh, Liz, oh, yeah. been great. Okay. for anybody listening who wants to get in touch with you, find out more, where's the best places to go? I know you're pretty active on LinkedIn, right? Yeah, LinkedIn for sure. Absolutely, Andy. Yeah. LinkedIn is the place. Look up Liz Heathwood. <laughs> make sure you follow her and connect with her there. And if you're not following me and connecting with me on LinkedIn, make sure you come connect with me as well, both sharing content on a regular basis. Liz, thanks so much for being here. I look forward to talking with you more soon. Thanks. My pleasure. Thank you, Andy. It's been great. All right, that will do it for my conversation with Liz Heathwood from EY down in Australia. I hope you enjoyed that conversation and it might inspire you to maybe go have some stay conversations with senior leaders in your business to find out more about what they care about and what career development they may be getting and not getting and where they may be looking for more help or changes in the organization. I wanted to let you know a few things about our podcast. Number one, it is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group, has been since we first started back in May of 2018. So going four years strong, over 300 episodes, and still going strong with some many great episodes. And I'm really appreciative and grateful to Advantage Performance Group for sponsoring that. Advantage is a professional services firm dedicated to providing a continuous stream of creative learning and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. They really specialize in experiential learning programs in areas like leadership development, business acumen, sales, etc. So if you're looking for something in that area, go check them out. Uh, their website is advantageperformance.com. I also wanted to let you know that our podcast is sponsored by the membership community I run called the Talent Development Think Tank. The Talent Development Think Tank is the number one place to go to learn 
to share, to grow in the world of talent development. We have over 100 members now who are joining us, showing up on a regular basis to support each other. And it is really where talent professionals come together to share best practices, discover the latest trends, hear from experts, and solve challenges so they can perform better in their jobs and help their companies develop their people most effectively. So if you're looking for new ways to engage and develop your people and accelerate your career success, this is the place for you. We have two levels now for you to engage in. We recently started a foundation level for early career professionals, which includes one call a month. And we have our main level for more senior talent development professionals, which includes a weekly call and access to our private Slack channel, as well as we do networking once a month as well. So if you're not part of a community of talent development professionals that you can network with and learn from on a regular basis, come check us out. Our website is tdtt.us, as in talent development think tank, tdtt.us. And when you sign up, you can use the code HOTSEAT, H-O-T-S-E-A-T, to take 10% off. Finally, I want to let you know that if you've been listening for a while, you probably already know, I have a book. It's called Own Your Career, Own Your Life. It's available on Amazon. We have over 240 positive reviews for that book and going up all the time. I'm working with a lot of organizations to implement the practices, the teaching from that book to help and inspire people truly to own their careers through speaking, through an online course, through training programs, through consulting. And if you're listening to this interview I did with Liz and you're thinking we need to up our game in career development, reach out to me. Let's talk and let's see if it's something I can help you with. My email address is andy at andystorch.com. All right. Thank you again for listening. If this was helpful, please go and share it with a friend. You can send it over to them. Share on LinkedIn. It will help you build your brand. And don't forget to leave a rating and review as well. And stay tuned on our next episode for our bonus Q&A with Liz Heathwood, all about her career and the trends she's following in talent development. Thanks for listening. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again. Take care.